Hi, and thank you for listening to this sixth episode of Media Mystic. I'm your host, Kristen Harlow. Today, I sit down with good friend and fellow seeker, Ed Wood, to discuss the Mandela effect, what it is, what the theories are on it, what it could portend for the future, and so much more. I really enjoyed this conversation, as I always do when I speak with Ed, and I hope you do too. So Ed, you are the person who introduced me to the Mandela effect. I heard about it through you first. And you're someone who was, I know, uh, really affected by the Mandela effect theory. And uh, well, you were Mandela affected by the Mandela <laughs> effect theory and did a lot of research about it. Um, and just just basically as a background for anybody who doesn't know what it is, which I don't think many people don't know what it is right now, but uh, it in 2013, Nelson Mandela passed away and there was a woman named Fiona Broom who had very distinct memories of Nelson Mandela passing away in prison in 2005. In reality, in 2013, he was out of prison and he passed away free. And as she looked into it more with amazement that she had this memory, she began to discover that other people had the exact same memory that he had passed in prison in 2005. Uh, there were protests in the streets. There were memories of Bill Clinton speaking at the memorial, just all kinds of very specific details, not just, you know, a flash in the pan he passed in prison, but really specific. I'm one of those people. I have that memory too. And when he passed, I was surprised as well to hear that he had not passed before in prison. So basically, because of that incredible, um, you know, shared memory, she started to do more research. Fiona Broom started to do more research and discovered a lot more information that had the same quality of seeming to have occurred one way in the past and then today is completely different. And we'll go through some of those specific Mandela effect um, incidences. But first, I just wanted to ask you how you discovered the Mandela effect and, you know, what what it what it did to you, where where it took you. And then if you want, you can go into, you know, any details about it, you know, certain Mandela effect specifics. But yeah, how, how did you how did you discover it? I, it's interesting because I kind of discovered it twice. The first time I, I saw it was I was surfing on YouTube and then now you get the little recommended. You're watching your video. They don't know the spot has got recommended for you and stuff. Mm -hmm. so I saw one Mandela. I didn't know what it was, right? So I, you know, I was bored. So I just clicked on it and it talked about Nelson Mandela and all that stuff. And it went into a few examples. Didn't register at all. With me. I was like, what is this? I was completely unimpressed, right? So I clicked off of it <laughs> and didn't go near it again for like another two or three years. And for some reason, a few years later, I was walking up this street as like a hospital. And they had like a children's section and they had these big posters on the outside of glass. And one was for Baron Stain chairs. Right. And I yep. was like, oh, they're going to they're going to get sued into oblivion by the creators <laughs> of the Baron Stain bear. Because look how close to them. Right. Not realizing <laughs> that this was the Baron Stain bear. Right. Yeah. And so um, after a while, I, you know, I don't remember exactly how I came to like look up Baron Stain bears. 
again. But I couldn't find Berenstein Bears anywhere. It was Berenstein everywhere. So I'm like, what What the hell happened to the Berenstein Bears, right? Yeah. Because Berenstein is not like a real thing. Right? As far as you and were concerned, yeah. Yeah, and that's what led me back into the Mandela effect. Because, yeah, this thing is called the Mandela effect. And I was like, wait a minute, I read about that somewhere. And apparently, there's millions of other people I remember Berenstein. And then some people are like, oh, you know, it was always Berenstein. You're mistaken. I'm like, no, I'm not mistaken. This is not like uh, I just saw a book one, one time and then didn't really remember. Like, I was kind of into it when I was a kid. And I, I was very meticulous with, like, spelling and stuff like that. And, you know, in the Northeast, that that uh, suffix of the name, was it uh, S-T-I-E-N, whatever? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, half of my teachers had Steen in the back of their name, you know, all through elementary school and high school. And so, Baron Steen sounded like a completely average, everyday name. So, when it changed to Steen, I'm like, who the hell is Baron Steen? And so, I started looking through it more, and I started, and then, Mirror, mirror on the wall, you know, magic mirror on the wall. Like, all right, I was never a Disney fan or Snow White fan, but everybody knows damn well it was mirror, mirror, magic mirror. Because when you when you come across one that like resonates, it hits really hard. And you know, Berenstein Bears is definitely one of those. It, and just just to for anybody who doesn't know, which I don't think there are too many people now, interestingly, but one of the one of the incidences of the Mandela effect is that many, many people, including me and you, Ed, remember it as being Berenstein Bears. And it was a big book when we were kids 25,000 years yeah. ago. And and so and so now all of a sudden it's Berenstein Bears. When we were kids, it was Berenstein and now it's Berenstein. And it's just yeah. it's just not the case. It was not Berenstein Bears. It just wasn't. So that that's one of them. And then another Mandela effect is that mirror, mirror on the wall is no longer mirror, mirror on the wall from Snow White. It's magic mirror on the wall. There, There's also, um, there's a new one, actually, Ed. There's the Britney Spears. Have you heard about this one? The Britney Spears um, video. Oops, I did it again. Many, many people have memories of her having a headset on, including me. I remember headset. I didn't watch the video a million times, but you know, it was on so often that you couldn't miss it. And she did not have a headset on apparently. Um, but most, but many people remember that. She... Like, yeah. Wearing a headset was that big Janet Jackson, like started that where it, it looked like, that's they right. Were, like, that's right. A telemarketer or something. That's right. And yeah, you I know, remember the headset. I remember the headset I, and specifically, I feel like she was in the hallway of the school dancing and her, you know, Catholic school girl uniform. But anyway, so so that's that's one. Even though they're lip, they're, they're lip syncing, but they're right, lip right. Another one is that um, Mona Lisa, her smile has changed over time. So that in the past, I think it was they think that she wasn't smiling. It's either that she wasn't smiling in the past, or she uh, was smiling in the past and is not smiling as much now. But the, it's changed, and then. Another one is the Monopoly man um, that most people remember him having a monocle. I do. I remember a monocle. Do you? Yeah. Me too, yeah. yeah. And now there's no monocle. There's Publishers Clearinghouse, which is the most shocking one, which is just, I still have a hard time accepting that there's not an explanation for the Publishers Clearinghouse one, but most people who are our age and older remember that. Ed McMahon would show up at people's doors and 
show a big, huge fake check that these people had won with the publisher's clearinghouse. And we saw that on commercials and, and now it turns out that never happened. There was never a commercial with Ed McMahon showing publisher's clearinghouse. And didn't you, didn't you say that there was um, like some skit or something about it as well? Like, what was that? Yeah. There's, it's a commercial for, uh, it's one of those credit report commercials that came out years back. And it's got Ed McMahon and he's like in a truck and he's, he's, he's rapping, right? Yeah. And I don't remember the, the lyrics, but it's like something like, yeah, I brought, I brought big checks to the ladies, but now, you know, times are hard. So I gotta, I gotta get my checks back. And then he goes to the, pulls up at his house and he knocks on the door and somebody opens it. He's like, Hey, you know, you know, I, I came here, I gave you this you know million dollar check, but you know, I'm kind of hard. So I need my check back and they just slam the door in his face. So That's it's it. interesting that, that he is uh, spoofing his own past of going and bringing checks to people's houses. So apparently he seems to remember it, but somehow it never happened. I that's interesting because I thought for some reason my my memory <laughs> made I, I thought it was a Saturday Night Live skit, which maybe those happened too. But I, I forgot about that commercial that he did spoofing himself going to the door. So that's one of the things about the Mandela effect that's the most shocking is that any kind of reference to it in history, any of these things, Berenstein Bears, um, Ed McMahon, all of these things remain. So for instance, that commercial that he made spoofing himself going to the door and bringing the big check still exists, even though you can't find him going to the door and giving checks anywhere on the internet, anywhere. There's no history of him ever having done that. There's Luke, I am your father. And it's actually no, I am your father on Star Wars now, apparently, which isn't one I connect to so much because I'm not a huge fan of Star Wars. No offense to anybody who is, but so it's actually, no, I am your father, not Luke, I am your father. And then Stouffer's, Stouffer's never made stovetop stuffing. That's a big one. I, I mean, come on now. It's just not true. They did make stovetop I stuffing. I don't know Stouffer's for anything else. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and, and it's like, it always had the commercial where the kid uh, would be visiting his friends. And then it was time for him to go home, but it's like, oh, we're making, you should go at home. We're making Stouffer Stovetop. Stouffer Stovetop. And then the kid wants to stay there because he doesn't want to miss the stuffing. I remember the commercials and now, millions of other people remember those commercials. I remember them too, but let's, let's dissect this here. Is there another stuffing company that we could be remembering that's not Stouffer's? Well, well Kraft are the ones that make the stuff. So Kraft is the, is the umbrella company to Stouffer's? I don't or, know if Kraft owns it, but but um, I, I don't know if they own. I mean, it's Stouffer's. It's Stouffer's stovetop stuffing. It just is. It's uh, you could you could go up to a stranger, and you could ask him, "Hey, you remember uh, the stuffing you ate as a kid?" You 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 don't even have to like mention. You don't have to like read them. You could just be like, "Hey, you remember those commercials with the stuffing?" They go, "Oh yeah, Stouffer's. Yeah, and they and just it's. Fill the it in. Definitely. And it's the same thing with Ed McMahon and the Publishers Clearinghouse, too. You go up to anybody our age and older and you try and tell them that that didn't happen. And they're like, no, that's that's just you're you're full of it. That's absolutely not true. They don't believe you. It's just so ingrained in their memory. Um, and then there's just one. There are a bunch of them, but the big ones, the last one is Curious George having a tail um, and and I, I can't remember if it's that he did have a tail or didn't have a tail. That's not one that I connect with, really. 
I liked I Curious it. George, but I wasn't, you know, a huge fan of of Curious George. But that's another one that I think he had people remember him having a tail and he did not have a tail, I think is what the change here is. But but anyway, yeah. you know what? You know what's really, really fascinating about this, Ed, is that for this conversation, I just went in and I wanted to remind myself of what some of the Mandela effects, you know, incidences are and just read about it a little bit. And a year ago, you could go on the internet and read about the Mandela effect and get maybe like 75% information about the Mandela effect itself, what people believe, what people see websites about the Mandela effect. And now when you go and search for the Mandela effect, all you see are false memory um, articles. So it's almost as though, and this is where I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on, but it's almost as though somebody does not want people to be investigating this, this theory that there's some reason why it's, it's being brushed under the rug. And so now we'll get into what the potential, um, theories are about what the Mandela effect is. The first is, of course, the very, very scientific one, which I'm not, I'm not pushing it away for some of them. Some of them, it really may be that it's false memory. That's the scientific theory, that it's false memory. What, what is the false memory theory, though? Um, just mis misremembering something. So large you know, which groups. Ha which, happens, which happens, that well, that's, so for me, like, when I see stuff that has a Mandela effect, it's like, I probably dismiss both of them because it, for me, it has to be a really strong memory. Some memories are like, there's like a binary thing when it comes to memories where something, but usually if I have, for me to misremember something, usually I just forget something outright. I just don't remember it. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I usually don't create an entire narrative in my head for something that didn't happen. You know, I forget a lot of stuff, you know, like, uh, hey, you, Mike was at the party. It's like, I don't remember seeing it. I don't remember being right. So that's like just you not remembering something. But then it's like you you remember Mike at the party and he drank too much and threw up on Kelly and then we had to call him an Uber and we had to carry him out to the car. And that never happened. And he was wearing a green t shirt that said, you know, Yeah. Kiss and, me and, and, every, and and there's like twelve people that remember it exactly the same. That's okay, right. That could get you convicted in any court. That, you can't that, be like, hey, hey, uh, we, we saw him running out of the bank, you know, and then the money bag exploded. And he was covered with ink and then he held, held the old lady hostage and he got into a car or whatever. And if a bunch of people saw it and can, can, finger, can finger you, you're going to jail. You can't just say, hey, they misremembered. That's you right. Know what I mean? And, that's and a, false. That's enough and, to send you up the river. Absolutely. Let alone, and, let alone, let alone millions of people remember stuff. That's right. And, and false memory is usually about one detail. It's usually, or one or two details. It's like, you know, they're remembering, well, Berenstein Bears, I guess, could fall under the, the umbrella of false memory if it was a false memory, which it's not. But if it was, then that would be an example of a false memory. One little detail being yeah. different. But like yeah. some of these are, like you said, they're narratives, you know, the, the Ed McMahon right. thing, there's it it has nothing to do with little details. It has to do with an actual event that suddenly did not take place. So I, I don't, I think like we said, some of them could be false memory, but I just think false memory is, is too simple a, a, a solution to it. So then the next theory is CERN, that CERN is 
responsible. And I remember the first time we talked about this, I pronounced it Kern and you were like, Kern, <laughs> but, but, and I haven't recovered from that shame, <laughs> but, but so, so I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I, I had to admit it, but so, so CERN, most people know, but maybe not everyone is uh, an organization based in a tiny town in France that has like 30 or so countries that are involved in it. It's mostly European countries and they are running experiments to try and recreate the big bang, the big bang really. And they have the large Hadron Collider, which which basically shoots molecules at one another to create an illusion of the Big Bang. And um, and in the process of doing this, there are theories that uh, they have somehow, somehow poked a hole in the dimensions and that certain details are being um, deformed, basically, and, and changed in the moment because of the experiments that they're doing. And those experiments started in 2009. And the Mandela effect was discovered in 2013. So it it's interesting. I'm not sure how I feel about that. What do you think about that? I just think, I think it's an interesting theory. I, I'd be um, curious to see if people could find more Mandela effects that predate uh, when it was turned on. Like if they could find something like the 80s. I've, I've read online people that say that they've experienced them personal ones like their, their whole lives. People that say they noticed them when they were kids, you know, in sixties, seventies. So it, it's hard to like really pinpoint. I know it picked up the, the Mandela effect kind of picked up steam around the same time, 2015, 2016, or whatever. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know uh, how many people knew about it before then. Well, so, just just to be clear, the Large Hadron Collider experiment started around two thousand eight, two thousand nine, but. CERN has existed existed since 1953. So, oh, wow. so who who knows what they've been doing? You know, this is their yeah. biggest. They discovered the Higgs boson particle, which is called the guard part, the God particle. So, all of these big, yeah. huge things have happened recently, but they've been around for a long time. And and yeah, there's it's been very strange. Yeah, they, they have the whole, I think they have Lord Shiva in front of the building, the god of destruction, and they have, didn't you tell me that there's strange video of weird rituals happening in front of the building at night? Didn't you say something about well, that? There, there was some video that was online that showed a bunch of people in robes. And, okay. uh, you know, whether that thing was, uh, legit. I, who knows what it was. But there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's, if you go online, there's videos that show um, a lot of a lot of kind of bizarre stuff for that surrounding um, CERN. Yeah, I've been looking at like a lot of people have different theories, and they all sound some of them sound you know kind of like they could be plausible. I keep hoping like one of the reasons I just obsessed was watching everything I could get my hands on, hoping that somebody had answers, and. Nobody really, <laughs> nobody really knows what the hell's going on. We're all guessing. Exactly. I mean, one of one of my, in thinking about this, I, and it's not just coming out of this discussion, but other discussions that I've had, I, I had this thought: what, what if? Okay, so, scientifically and mathematically, it seems to be an accepted fact 
that there are an infinite number of universes that exist all at once. So right now we're in this version of the universe, but there's also an infinite number of versions of the universe in which you and I are doing infinite number of things, right? And everybody's doing an infinite number of things. This is a something that very smart scientists stand behind, not just, you know, people who are interested in metaphysics. Um, so if that's true, what if there's something happening right now that's making all of those universes align and begin to leak into each other? And so that's why we're experiencing strange shifts and changes. I know a lot of people who are, are very um, spiritually, uh, they, you know, they pursue spirituality and are very curious as you are curious. I know you wouldn't probably call yourself someone who pursues spirituality, but you're curious about the unknown. I know that. Um, and they felt major shifts happening in the past few years, just huge, huge changes and shifts that they can't explain. And I just wonder if maybe that has something to do with it. And that's again, just a theory. <laughs> it's there's no fact behind that. Yeah. So I, I've also read about that theory, and it that also have you? like a very interesting one. Uh, I've read people that have alluded to that type of theory, where really it's like parallel and people are like shifting. So my my question about that one would be, well, let's say you're somebody that that lives in a crappy apartment, but you want to live in like a penthouse, right? So. The theory is like, well, there's a version of you that's in a penthouse, right? So you shift to where you you're now in the penthouse, and I do I do like that theory, but the question I have is, what happened to the version of you that was already in the penthouse? Do they get like bumped out of there? Is because it about what, is it is it about matter, or is it about consciousness? There's a difference, you know. Like, do, are you? Yeah. Because I, 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 I would think that there would already be a, some version of you that's there already occupying that space, right? Maybe that version, the consciousness of that version of you moved on to another version of you and you took the place of this they, version. They moved, they moved to a better penthouse. Or they've moved to where you were, or they've moved to any number of the oh, infinite that, versions. That would suck for them. Seems pretty unfair, but... That's a downgrade. That to me, I, I like, I like the idea of that theory, but it's a little bit too linear for me. You know what I mean? It, it feels a little too yeah. linear. Um, yeah, yeah. although I, I do have a theory that, that we, that each of us have kind of an oversoul and that the oversoul has the desire to experience all possible things. And so there are many, many, many versions of us experiencing all different things from the least of us, the worst behaviors possible to the most luxurious lives, to being a couch potato, which is pretty much where I <laughs> exist yeah, in, the, in, that, in that middle I'm, place I'm, where <laughs> I'm exploring everything about being a couch potato right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm exploring being as lazy as possible. And it's wonderful. Like, My oversoul really wanted... loves it. <laughs> I want to know what it's like to have a low bank account. That's right. That's the experience I need to have. <laughs> every every aspect of that. I'm <laughs> but I do think there's some kind of truth to that. It's probably still too linear. So, but, but I do, I kind of do get, I do get on board with that, but then, okay. So here's another one. Are we ap approaching a black hole and we don't realize it? And so. I think there might be something, a lot of, see, sometimes. Sometimes you can't really prove something. It's more of an intuition. Right. Like, you can't, it's hard. To, you can't really explain why you think something all the time. 
No. You know, like, what makes you think that? It's like, I can't really tell you why I think that, but it seems to fit. Like, a lot of this, it just, it, there are theories about it, but it, it all feels very cyclical. What do you mean by that? Having to do with, well, you know how space is like a giant clock with a constantly, everything is like constantly orbiting everything else and connected, like the whole astrology thing, which I'm not that good with, but, but it's like, when I think about how people back in the day, they used to see like gnomes and they used to write about stuff that they saw, you know, they're like, oh, we were down in the village and then a bunch of little people with wings came running through or whatever. And it's like, are they just being fanciful or is that like, they're just recording something that they saw, right? And it's like, yeah. why were they seeing so much shit? And eventually, we came to a time where everything was made out of concrete and people had to pay bills and wait in long lines at the supermarket and we're so far removed from that type of, that type of Middle Earth type of existence, you know, where, you know. Um, but now, if you, if you notice, it seems like slowly we're edging back into that type of thing. People are seeing a whole lot of wild stuff. Yeah. And more and more stuff is being caught because everybody's got a camera in their pocket now. And some of it's fake, but I don't think all of it is. Nope. And so as it ramps up, it's almost like we're entering some type of position, maybe in the galaxy or whatever, where whatever energy is behind it is kind of ramping up again. Oh, nice. And we're, pa we're, we're passing through that area. Because uh -huh. I'm sure somebody could probably look at, like, the last known sighting of a fairy. Oh, it was in, uh, you know, 1602, right? And then all of a sudden, they just all disappeared from... Now people, I guess, if they uh, have some kind of psychic ability, they can see it. But these things are becoming more visible to, like, people who are like, I ain't psychic at all, you know? That That's right. Now, back in the 1600s... There's some, there's some, there's some, there's some kind of shift there. I agree. Way more people are experiencing in their their own spiritual gifts, witnessing, you know, psychic phenomena. Absolutely. That is ramping up big time in the past 10 years. It's just it's many, many people say that, including you. Like, um, it's like a, it's like a timer, like it's just time for it. That's in, that's interesting. That's really interesting. And it sort of goes along with the idea of heading toward a black hole, but it's more pleasant than heading toward a black hole. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, in the 1600s, was it, I, I just, I'm asking gen, genuinely, was it something that everybody saw? Or was it again, like, did, did everybody see fairies? Or was it witches, quote unquote? Was it you know, like well, today, I, you I just, would say? I, yeah, I just made that, that year up. I was just I know, I know. But like back in the back in the days when people really were, you know, openly talking about fairies and, and gnomes and things like that, was it the general populace or was it still the group of people that are like me that are, you know, more curious about pursuing those things? Genuine question. I don't know, I don't know either. I, I always had the, I always had the uh, impression that a lot of people saw a lot of stuff and they would talk about it like it was no big deal. You know, oh yeah, yeah, there was the, you know, the guy with the wings would uh sometimes I'd go outside, he'd be drinking out of my well, and then you know, I would say hello to him, you know, and they're not freaking out at all. So I'm like, how normal was it to see shit like that? And then, you like, know? if you if you think about the Bible, for instance, which wh whatever you think about the Bible, you know, I, whatever you think about it, many of the stories are people hearing voices, seeing things, seeing burning bushes. There are, of course, theories that people were, you know, using 
versions of psychedelics that were showing them these things and that it it wasn't necessarily a spiritual thing, but actually, well, psychedelics are spiritual, but, you know, it wasn't just coming out of nowhere. It was coming from an experience of eating certain, um, you know, uh, what do you, what do you call, what is LSD from? Psilocybin. Psilocybin is mushrooms. But then, then there's, um, there's also LSD, which comes from a certain, it, it's not wheat, it's not bulgar. It's like, it's, it's some, you know, um, plant basically. I can't think of the word right now, but, um, so there are theories that that's what, for instance, Moses was experiencing was that he was on some kind of psychedelic when he saw the burning bush and he heard God, whatever. I don't care. I think it still means he heard God and saw the burning bush, frankly, that that's my opinion personally, but regardless, I mean, they were having experiences that people don't talk about today unless they're like me and, you know, and others like me who are really curious about it and want to know more about it. Most people are not. So it it was more common even then. So, yeah. Yeah. And people that live in areas that are more rural or areas like one of my friends, you, you remember uh, man, his family from the Philippines. Manning? Yeah. Of course. Uh, his family was from the Philippines. When we were little kids, he would talk about stories his parents would tell him. His parents would tell stories about stuff that they saw personally, not stories passed down, the stuff they saw. Like what? The stuff that. Um, there's this uh, plant that would uh, release some kind of glowing thing and it catch it at a certain time. And the thing would like pop out and, you know, like, and you would have these. Uh, these uh, spirits that would kind of like get it. So, you know, if you had this um, this other creature where it would like try to follow you at night, this other, there's, there's like it, a lot of it came from like legends, but there was a couple of things that they saw first. Like, mm-hmm. so this is not that far removed. No, like from something in the book to be like, your parents be like, yeah, this is what I thought, you know. And yeah. when a person you're talking to is somebody that is a serious person, never known to like lie or anything. It kind of hits you different. That's right. And there's a lot of these people from certain Caribbean islands and stuff like that. They have all kinds of stories about stuff that they've seen, you know, And they're so, not people who are looking for attention in some way or, you know, that they're, it's, yeah, it's not, like, not, not writing any books or anything. Right. Right. You know, right. Pri- private people. In fact, would so, rather do anything but then write a book about it <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they just tell it and it's like sometimes people are like they and they they're, as they're telling you they know that it sounds a bit off they're embarrassed to share sometimes, it yeah. Yeah. yeah so another another theory about this is that it goes back to cern and that people that the scientists who are working with CERN are intentionally trying to learn how to travel back in time and that they have figured out how to do that and that they have gone back in time and made changes in that timeline and then returned to see what the effect on today's timeline is and to see maybe to see if it does any damage, maybe not caring if it does damage just to see what it does because there are things they'd like to change. Um, what do you think about that? Sounds a little dangerous. 
if you do anything at all, it's going to change stuff. That's like right. Anything. That's right. Like the, what you just you, said changed everything. Yeah. Like if you just sneeze and that sneeze didn't already exist in that timeline right away, that like, that does something. What do they call it? The butterfly effect? Yep. Yep. So there's no way that people are going back and not trading massive. Yeah. If that's happening, it's, it's changing a whole bunch of stuff. I think. If you think about it in your own life, there, there's times where a simple thing changes the entire course of your life. Think about it. Like I decided yeah. one day you decided to just turn left instead of right. And by turning to the left, you bumped into somebody who offered you a job. You know, so it could be anything. So, you know, with a lot of it's a science fiction trope where they're like, oh, we have to go back in time. They do that a lot of Star Trek. We got to go back in time and finish, fix this damage or whatever. And meanwhile, they're inter interacting with like dozens of people. You know, they're shooting people with their phasers. They're, they're doing all kinds of stuff. I'm like, dude, the future is jacked up now. Yeah, they're they're not just changing that one event. They're changing every single event that happened uh, from that point forward. So I, f I feel like that's a little bit fanciful and a little bit linear. And but I, I don't that theory. that theory. Yeah, but I, I the theory that they that CERN figured out how to change time in the past. But at the same time, I I'm positive that there are things that we can't even fathom that that are understood now and one of them could be the ability to time travel it could easily be that apparently a friend of mine told me that very recently like three or four years ago there was an ai conference and um at the conference they revealed that they, it was a very very private secretive not open conference they revealed that they knew how to move consciousness from one place to the next as in, I could be standing next to you right now. My consciousness could stand next to you right now because of what they've figured out. And I don't understand it, but it, this is not, this isn't some science fiction conference. This is, you know, serious scientific study. Uh, the interesting thing about all, all of these uh, different types of theories, uh, they're, all, they're all very fascinating. The thing with the Mandela effect is it's one of the few things, maybe the only thing that is checkable. Like a person can like, verify it yourself. Yep. And you don't really have to take somebody else's, you know, somebody can write a book about something and make a documentary. It's like, yeah, that looks very convincing. Is it real? It could be. But with the Mandela effect, it's like it, it, it hits you personally. And for everybody, there's something that that will be will be convincing. It'll be it'll be what? There... It'll be convincing convincing to them. It's a matter of if you stumbled on it or not. Yep. Because, because you're, you know, how much you might trust your memory is, is a question. But if you think about it, take something like your name, right? K-R-I-S-T-E-N, right? When mm -hmm. you write that, uh, that's from memory. But that's a really strong memory because you've written it and read it thousands of times. It's your name, right? But if all of a sudden it was spelled K-R-I-S-T-I-N, and it's like, oh, yeah, it was never with the DN, it was always an IN, right? That's gonna hit you like a ton of bricks. Mm -hmm. Like, what the hell is going on here? And then you mm -hmm. ask other people and they remember it like you do. So it's not just you, it's not that you're crazy. Everybody else agrees with you. But somehow all of your records and you look at your birth certificate and it's got the wrong spelling. You know, that that's basically a memory how you spell your name. But 
think about how strong that memory is and then have it upended like that. Mm -hmm. That would make somebody that would that would be convincing. Yeah. So that's what I, I, I basically rank order the strength of memories. Something that I've seen every day for like 10 years every day is a really strong memory. Um, something that I've only done maybe once. Hey, was the couch red or green? I think it was green, but it turned out it was red. I could have I could have messed up on that. You know, if I only saw it once. But um, when it comes to like people saying it's just just remembering, like I was like the, the analogy with the guy at the party, it's like that only to me that explanation only works for something if you remember something you did. But once there's all these different details that come into play, to me that that adds proof to it, it adds weight. Like um have you seen the uh, thinker statue example? No. You know the the thinker statue? This is a really interesting one. So I don't really have strong memories of the thinker statue. I always thought it was a guy with the with the with the uh you know, with the hand on the chip yep, like that. That's what I remember too. Um but with that one I could be wrong though. But the interesting thing is there's a big statue of the thinker at the, it's in this one location and people will go to it, right? And take pictures and they'll pose next to it, right? Now, the, the statue apparently has changed position. Um, I don't remember if it was, it started on the forehead and it moved to the chin or started on the chin, moved to the forehead, but it's different, right? But everybody that poses in front of the statue has their hand in the wrong position. Like, let's wow. say it's, let's say it's, uh, it's now like this on the chin. Everybody posing about a statue is like this, right? Because that's what they remember. Yeah, because it, it's changed. So there's this one picture that has a whole bunch of like college students. There's like 60 of them. And they're all posing wrong right in front of the statue. So the statue wow. is like right behind it, like 30 feet tall. Like kind of hell are all of them posing wrong. To me, like there's no explanation for that. No. How are you misremembering? All you got to do is look over there. Oh, there's a statue. I'm, I'm posing wrong. And if it was if it was one person or ten people, that's one thing. But when yeah. it's thousands and even millions of people who have the same memory, that's not when a it. Single one of, not a single one of them opposes it correctly. Right. You would think if, if this is the right way, you would think that some people would remember it that way. Why is it everybody that you talk to remembers it differently? It's yeah. like um. Oh, here's another big one. Because, you know, like, because you, you, you're a writer, so it's like, you notice things when it comes to grammar and spelling and stuff like that. So, when it comes to, like, uh, uh, adding, like, an apostrophe S when somebody, like, ownership of something, mm -hmm. like, uh, uh, Rob's car, right? Mm -hmm. R-O-B apostrophe S mm -hmm. car, right? That's the proper way to write it. But then if the name ends in S, you know how you just put the apostrophe? You don't put like an extra S. Yep. So it'd be like the name James, right? It ends with an S. So if it's like James, James's car, a car belonging to James, you'd write J-A-M-E-S apostrophe and then car, right? Mm -hmm. Now, apparently, it's correct to put J-A-M-E-S apostrophe, then another S. It looks I know. I know. Like, and I actually, know. I do it. I do it now. And it- it yeah, you've adjusted Cause I what? I've adjusted. You've adjusted. Yeah. You've adjusted to it, yeah. Because when I was a kid, I think I did it because I learned to put an apostrophe s, and then I did it where it was something ending in s, so I added the other. The teacher was like, "No, you don't do it." You know, I got corrected at some point and knew not to do it. 
you know, it's like with silent letters. You know, so yeah. the word dilemma is spelled D-I-L-E-M-N-A. And I which, remember with an N. Which word? Dilemma. Yep. Yeah, I remember it D-I-L-E-M-N-A when I was a kid. And a whole bunch of other people remember it with an N, but now it's two M's, right? Two M's actually make sense. The N never made sense at all, but the only reason I wrote it that way is because that's what I was taught. Yeah, I didn't, nobody chooses to add a weird-ass silent letter where it doesn't belong, you know? Right. Unless they were taught. What's like, no interesting, we've talked about that one, and that's not my experience. I've always known it to be two M's, so I don't have that, that memory. Uh-oh. That's it's it, that's the thing about it. That's what makes it so interesting is that, yeah. you know, not everybody has the same memory of the thing. So, but enough people do and then enough people don't that it's it's just there's something going on there. That that's all. There's just something going on for sure. Um What was the what was the one with the movie? Was it like Goldfinger or something? Oh, that's a uh, Moonraker. Which which one? Moonraker. It's a it's a James Bond movie. Right. There's a character named Jaws who uh, has metal teeth, and it's Moonraker. He's he. I think he was in a couple of James Bond. I'm not a huge James Bond fan, but James Bond fans were freaking out over this because you know you got people that don't watch. You know they they could name. So I, I was hanging out with a couple of friends of mine back in New York. And I had just read about the Moonraker. I told them about it. And they're way bigger Bond fans than I am. And they had the whole collection. So the way it goes is uh, there's a character in Moonraker named Dallas, a girl that had braces. And it's revealed at the end that she has braces. So so when Jaws like, looked at her, she looked at him and she smiles. And you see the metal. And this movie came out like either late 70s or early 80s, right? So she smiles and he sees the metal in her mouth. And he's like smiling, so they're like kindred spirits because he has, he's got the metal teeth and she's got the braces. And then they start playing this romantic music, and it's like a comedic moment. Yeah. Where the villain and like the girl. But now she no longer has braces. All of a sudden, the, scene, the braces went away. They disappeared. Yeah, there, there are no braces, and the scene doesn't really even make sense anymore. Yeah. In that context. And so I told my friends about it, and they thought that I was like making it up. They're like, "What are you talking about? She has braces." That's the whole point of the scene. I'm like, "No." And they're like, "All right, we're gonna check." And so they went into the collection, pulled out Moonraker, and put it. And they know this movie so well. They were like, "No, go back another minute." Oh, it's after this scene. They they went right to it because they've seen yeah. the movie many times. Uh, yeah. And then and then um, the the mood was kind of like jokey a little bit. And then and the scene came up, and then she smiles, and there's no braces, right? And everything got quiet. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't scream because I, I too have many, many movies like that, that I've watched dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times that I know back and front. And if there was something like that in those movies, I, I, I would know that it, you know, there's no, when you watch, when you're that type of person that loves entertainment enough to watch it over and over and over again, you remember every detail, yeah. especially a detail like that. So yeah. Yeah, I, I can only there, imagine. There's, there's movies where I could recite most of the dialogue, right? And if something major changes, like like look at the Mr. Rogers song, right? Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Yeah, you know about that song, right? How it's changed. That's right, but how? what is it again? So now it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. It's not a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And it was, defi- it was definitely, it's a beautiful, it's a 
was it even, was it wonderful or beautiful? Beautiful day beautiful. in the neighborhood. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. So this, this is a, it's, it sounds like a small change, but really it's really jarring because it's something that so many generations grew up singing this song and knowing the song and to go from the, the to this, and you could hear the S and you hear it. It's like automatically your ears like rebel. It's like, what the hell is that? It doesn't work. Did they, did they change the song? It's like, and the thing is like, everybody noticed it instantly. So if it was always that way, why is it like, why is it everybody suddenly realized all at the same time that it was like wrong? You know, it wasn't like a trickle. Like some people back in 85 said, hey, the song changed. Another few people in the 90s. It's like everybody in 2020 suddenly said, hey, what, why is it this all of a sudden? And then it's like, did they change the song? And then you go back and it's like, you can't find the. It's always been this. Uh, it, it appears that it's always been this, even though it hasn't. That's an example, though, that that the scientists who pretend to be examining this to, to try and disprove that it's anything but false memory would say most people who watch Mr. Rogers watched it when they were four or five years old. So memory is so, you know, completely skewed from that time that when you watch it again as an adult, it would kind of make sense that it could have been this and you just didn't know it. But I, I'm not yeah. saying I buy that, but that's that's what they would say is that most yeah. of you're young when you watch it and you just don't remember it properly. And that's the excuse that they'll use. My I just tend to go for the idea that there's something to do with going back in time and changing details. I just I I, I for some reason that resonates with me most of all. And I, I don't understand it. I don't know what it means. I agree with you that doing that kind of thing changes things dramatically, but maybe things have, have been changed dramatically. We just don't know it because we're in it. You know, yeah. because yeah, it could be that uh, that whoever wrote that song, you know, just decided to go with this instead of the. They went. They it. went back, and they they chose certain things that would be noticeable, but not so obvious. And they went back and were able to be around that person who wrote that song at the time and influence them to change the word just to use a different word yeah or it and could they, have been just a byproduct it could have been by accident like, like an maybe like a, of another change like they they went back well, and made another like yeah somebody goes back in time and they uh you know maybe they uh, uh cause the writer to be the writer of the song to be like late somehow stuck in traffic so they got to hurry up and finish the song before deadline. So it's like, uh, maybe if they had more time to work on it, they'd have, they'd have been the best. I had to go with this neighborhood, yep. not even thinking, turn it in. So just the timing of it changed it. But then you know, what I would be, that, uh, what would be the, how would that coincide with the idea of there being people who are going back in time and making changes? To me, it would be something that would be done in, intentionally so that then they could come back to this timeline and look at how those changes affect this timeline to test it. Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely could be that. But you know, if you change that one thing, it's going to change like other things. So yeah. it could be the primary change, or it could be a change that just happened coincidentally because you changed something else. Right. Because it's like if you think about like when you when you write something, let's say you write an article or whatever, and then if you try to write that same article an hour later from memory, it's going to be different. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, so it's like anything, 
when you go to sit down to write it, you'll write it one way. But let's say if you go in on your way to the desk to write it, you stub your toe and then sit down and write it. It's probably going to be a different, you know, a yeah. word or something going to be out of place now because just because of the change. Yep. You know, everything. Even the change in mood might change yeah. your point Maybe of view. It was, it was a few degrees warmer, a few degrees cooler. You know, you're about to write it. Man, it's hot. So you get up and turn on the AC, then go back to the right. That right there is going to, whatever you're going to write without doing that action is going to be changed. Maybe a little bit, but like that, it has, it has to be that way. Every, every single thing that's done has to cause that ripple. Because yes. if you were going to replicate everything that happened at a time, but everything has to be exact. Um, maybe, thing, maybe these people, the, I mean, we're talking if this is even, you know, because part of me is a little bit, even being who I am and what I believe, part of me is a little bit embarrassed to even be <laughs> suggesting this because I know that like a scientist at CERN, not that they will ever listen to this conversation, but if they did, then they'd be like, oh, you know, F you. <laughs> you know, you idiot, but maybe not, maybe they, you know, maybe it's actually happening. So let's just go there and whatever, who cares what the head scientist at CERN thinks of me <laughs> and you, <laughs> but, okay. but like they would purportedly have to be incredibly intelligent people. Right. So maybe they figured out through their research, through the time that they've spent with this, the, the things that they could change that would have the least effect so, for instance, yeah. somehow there's some mathematical equation that led them to Berenstein Bears. There's a mathematical equation that led them to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. There's, you know, and so m maybe it's something to do with that so that they knew that there was a way to get back to that, that moment. That would, that, to get... Yeah, that would, that would make sense, yeah. But there's then... Some, maybe some type of computer model or something. That's right. But But then... We're not really the way we look at the past and the future is that it happened then and it's happening then, but actually it's all happening now. So there, there is no past or future. There's only now. There's one moment, one unified moment, as a very smart friend of mine said. So, you know, it it's all happening right now. So making the change might not have as much of an effect as we think it would because it's all happening right now. The way we look at it is that it, you know. So yeah. maybe it's not as, maybe we're not as important as we think we are, <laughs> I guess is the real. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll admit, I think we'd be in a linear fashion. And I've heard. Um, you, will you say that again? I didn't understand you. I, I, I admit that I think in a completely linear way. Right. And I've heard, well, and I've heard people that like uh, say that, you know, time isn't real. Everything's happening. All at once. And I've heard it and I've kind of struggling in my mind right now. I think I kind of understand it now. And so when I think about that, I'm like, okay, that's really interesting. But it's like, it's hard to not think in a linear fashion when you're just trudging through life and everything is in a certain order. Yeah, but, because um, we, we arrange it, it's organized that way so that we accomplish the things that I think there's a certain group that wants us to accomplish. And so we get things done. And there's also yeah. a theory that time is a lesson for for humanity and that once we don't need that lesson anymore, it won't exist. It's not going to be anytime soon, but, you know. Trying to figure out how everything happens all at once and not be completely chaotic. It has, to do with how, it has to do with how you perceive it. I think so. It's it's how, it's it's what our brains translate. Our brains are such incredible tools and really, really just, um, filters. 
that that's all that's what our brain is a water filter basically a light filter so yeah i think it's it's what we experience and and how our mind organizes the things that happened versus the things that will happen but actually the things that will happen it's circular it's not linear so the things that will happen are happening right here and the things that did happen are happening right here while we're right here experiencing what we call the now it's it's all at once it's well, it's going to be crazy. Uh, did you did you imagine you could talk to yourself in two thousand and two thousand and five and tell them about twenty twenty three? So tell me what's going to happen. Like I wouldn't even know where to start. I'm like, you're going to have me arrested because you, you're going to think I'm insane. Yeah, I, you, I you think can't, you can't you can't explain the shit. The the comedy in me wants to say that I would go back and say nothing's changed, <laughs> nothing's changed, but it, it's not true. Um, and like apparently, your your past, you say apparently future me is crazy or on something. <laughs> exactly. No That's right. Although I I think past me would would be more receptive to future me than that, but yeah. maybe past Ed might not be. <laughs> but past but past past Ed told me that you you experienced yourself once. Do you remember that? Yeah, you're talking about the uh, the uh, doppelganger yeah, back when the I was in high school. Yeah, what was that? If yeah. you want to share it, yeah. So um, when I was in high, we used to play this game called Recon, right? It's, it's like a military game, right? How do you spell so it? R e c o n. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you create a character, and your character uses some type of soldier or something, and you're like, I'm armed with this, and oh, then the the enemy comes. Oh, I throw my grenade, you know, I roll a dice or whatever. It's that type. So we used to get together and play this, right, at my friend's house. And he lived far away. I don't even know why he went to our high school. He lived so far. We would walk there. It is like like a 40-minute walk, it feels like, right? I'm probably exaggerating my mind, but it felt like 40 minutes. So we were going over to his house to play recon, a bunch of us. And I, I either had detention or something. For some reason, I wasn't able to go with them, right? So they went ahead of me. I got out of school, and I'm headed out there, and it's like, wait, I'm going, walking out there, and it's already getting dark, right? So I finally get there. And I knock on the door and they open it. And I basically kind of get sort of chewed out because apparently I had showed up and knocked and they looked out the window, so it was me, opened the door, and then I was gone. So they're like, well, why the hell did you, why would you knock me like that? Oh, we're trying to get this game going. Like, what are you talking about? I just got here. They said, no, I, I saw you knock. I looked at I saw you, you were there and I opened the door and then you were gone. And that was probably around 80. Seven, and I can't get that guy to admit to this day that you know, you're messing with me, right? Like, nah, dude, you were there. So, now, do you remember? I, I know, know what you, the hell else. you don't. You don't really remember anything. You you're not even sure why you weren't with them. But if you really, if you take the time right now to like try and go back in your memory, can you recall any feelings that you may have had while you were away from them that would coincide with this experience? No, it was a it was a pretty average day because it was like uh for some reason I was stuck like at school right I was doing something I don't remember exactly what it was so they were already over there at the house and then I walked so during the walk nothing out of the ordinary happened walked through those neighborhoods got to the house and then knocked and he opened the door um I got questioned like hey what the hell are you doing what where'd you go like what do you mean where did i go i was confused and then when it was explaining to me i thought it was weird and i thought he was playing some kind of joke i'm like all right so 
here already. Like, yeah, you were. So, and so I kind of filed it away, and then we played the game. And every now and then I'll think about that, you know. Every now and then I'm like, yeah, that was weird. What happened way back when? But um, no, uh, no bizarre feelings or anything like that. It was just uh, a good friend of mine will will uh, is sticking to that story that he saw me. Yeah. Outside of his window. You know, when somebody knocks and you got the window on the side, you can like look, you know, yeah. you don't just open the door, you know, anybody, yeah. not if you do it, but they looked and made sure it was me. And open Especially the door. if they saw you. Definitely yeah, not going to. Exactly. Open the door and there's like nobody there, you know, like, like in one of those yeah. horror movies where somebody knocks and they open it, nobody, it's like that shit happens. Yeah. It makes me think I, I talked about this in one of my previous episodes. I told someone else the story, but I'll tell it again. Um, it, it makes me think of the ex- an experience that my mother and I had. And I think I've told you about this where we were um, we were driving and it, it was a very busy road. One of busy enough. I, and I was in high school, by the way, it was it was busy enough that there's a green light to the right and cars are going and you're at the red light that's going to be turning left. So we're at that red light and the the road that we were turning on, turning left on was about a mile long, 30 miles per hour. Um, and at the end was another light. So as we're waiting at the red light, I look over and there's this guy crossing into the traffic that's moving through the green light next to me, not walking through it, but like just walking across the street and able to dodge the cars somehow. And he was, he stood out. He was, he was tall. He was wearing all, all white. He looked like a house painter kind of, he had Einstein hair, just stood out. So I noticed him. And then we, our light turned green. We turn left. We get to the end of that mile long road. And there's the same guy crossing from the other side of the road, kind of like if you, if I think about it, it's almost as though he was on a diagonal as he crossed. And I said to my mother, I just saw him back there. And she was like, I saw him too. Um, and there's, there's no way he could have gotten in a car. You know, there's no way he could have biked there in time. It's about a mile, mile and a half, 30 miles per hour. So we got there before him, if he got in a car or a bike, you know, and he couldn't have walked or run. So it's something like that. It's it feels similar to that. It's like a it's a dimensional thing. It, it's as though he was crossing the same path at the exact you know at that moment yeah. in both moments, just like you. And maybe he was maybe he was not a spirit. The way my mind looks at it is that he was a spirit of some kind. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was a living person like you were, who somehow was able to transpose himself to two a different. Of the, that was actually a good suit out there on time (laughs) (laughs) that's that i i always remember that that was one of the when when you learned how interested i was in in quote-unquote ghosts and and all of those things and we went to the um to the morris jamal mansion that was one of the first things you told me was that experience that you had and uh, i always remember that but ed this has been a really, really interesting conversation. I'm so glad we had it. I always love to hear your wisdom and uh, and especially your your theories on this topic, which is just so fascinating to me. It really is. Um, and you are awesome. And I hope that you will come back and we can talk about other things that are similar. And um, to our listeners and viewers, we love you. Thank you. Thank you.